Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. One thing that I think can be said of every one of us is that we all have days, hopefully lots of them, when we feel fresh and vital and totally alive. But it can also be said, I suspect, that most of us have days from time to time when we feel kind of old, worn out, maybe even a little bitter. The trick is to have more of the good days than the bad, but the question is how? How do we live a life that's evergreen? That's the subject and the title of today's message, which is based on John 15 verses 1 through 11 and begins with some thoughts on Christmas trees, before and after. Well, we put the task off as long as we could, always wishing to linger in the quiet afterglow of the season for as long as possible. But last night, we finally decided that it was time to at least begin taking down the Lowry Family Christmas Tree 2019 edition. Now, as always, and you can vouch for this, it's a bittersweet chore. After all, it's it's always kind of sad to put away Christmas for another year. And yet, even as we were doing some undecorating of the year's tree last night, the precious memories of holidays past and present continued to fill the air, even as a few far-reaching plans for next year were discussed. And you know what? This year's Christmas tree was a beautiful tree. One that, when transformed with all our various and sundry heirlooms, made our house into a true home for the holidays. It was, in a word, perfect. Now, I tell you all this because as you can imagine, and, and probably as the same can be said for you, the selection of a suitable tree has always been an important part of our Christmas ritual each year. And adding on to that, that given that we are a pastor's family and we have lived in a number of homes over the years with different kinds of rooms and ceilings of various heights, these trees have necessarily had a variety of shapes and sizes and forms. And though, if anything, we have followed a tradition of choosing the biggest, fullest, most beautiful, yet inevitably top-heavy Christmas trees we can find, which at times has led to difficulties that have bordered on potential disaster. In fact, I remember a Christmas a few years ago now when we had a tree so big and so heavy, it was actually more of the Griswold family Christmas tree, if you want to know the truth, that early the morning after we put it up, we awoke to the sound of it crashing to the floor. And when we inspected what had happened, we realized that that tree had literally snapped the bolts off the Christmas tree stand in the process. Big tree, folks. Now, luckily, it's kind of a couple-of-day process for us, and we hadn't hung any ornaments yet. So nothing on or off the tree was broken. But immediately, the incident did point up an immediate need for a bigger and better Christmas tree stand. So, 
after a quick trip to Walmart, I'm underneath the tree, preparing to transfer its trunk from one holder to the another. I'm loosening the eye bolts that supposedly was to keep the tree in place. Removing the wooden stays that we have always kind of put around that tree just in case, like that did any good. And then, while Lisa and my son Jake are holding the tree upright, I'm underneath the tree and I reach into the well of the stand itself so I can pick up the bottom of the trunk and together we can lift the tree out of its holder so to put it in the new one. And that's when I notice that in fact, there's still water in there that I poured into the stand the night before. But not water exactly, but rather a liquid substance that's probably best described as goo. You know what I'm talking about here, that thick, sticky mixture of water and pitch that even at that moment was permanently adhering itself to my hands and clothing. I have to say, friends, I hate pitch. I really hate pitch. I hate getting it on me, and I especially hate how hard it is to wash off. But I also got to tell you that as I finished securing our Christmas tree to its new stand, I found a new respect for the stuff. As well as for the many and wondrous ways that nature takes care of itself. After all, what pitch really is, is a healing ointment. Whenever an evergreen is cut or one of its branches is broken, you find out that immediately those open wounds, if you will, start to secrete this, this sticky resin that we call pitch, and it seals the cut. So to preserve the life-protecting fluid and food that's inside the tree. And that's why, properly watered, you can keep a fresh-cut Christmas tree inside for a couple weeks. And why this tree could survive a tumble on the Lowry's floor. And that's because the pitch helps it stay green and moist and fragrant the whole time that it's in your house. Without pitch, you see, the tree quickly dries out. And we've all had trees like this, too, if you have real trees in your home. It dries out, its needles fall, its bright green turns to a dingy brown, and immediately it becomes less a festive holiday decoration than a serious fire hazard. So when you think about that, when you, when you think about what happens because of that goo in, in the tree stand, it's pretty amazing. It's also no coincidence then that the evergreen is often considered a symbol for the Christian life. The idea, as the old carol suggests, of faithful leaves unchanging, staying evergreen in summer or in winter, that really does seem to evoke an ongoing fruitfulness of the spiritual life. In fact, <clears throat> there's actually an obscure verse of that carol. And of course, you know I'm talking about O Tannenbaum, a verse that I have always loved and, and I think belongs in a hymnal. I couldn't find it in a hymnal, otherwise you'd be singing it today. But it says it very well. O Christmas tree, O Christmas tree, your leaves will teach me also. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, your leaves will teach me also. 
that hope and love and faithfulness are precious things I can possess. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, your leaves will teach me also. Great verse. And in other words, you see, like the the evergreen tree in faith, our lives are meant to be rich and full and green, to have the same qualities that are of God. Moreover, we are meant to maintain a greenness, if you will, about our life and living, something that is fresh and vital and life-enhancing. We are meant to have these times in which we are saturated with and sustained by joy and most especially love. Now, as I think about it, I know that there are times that these qualities of life come very easy. You know, perhaps during the holidays when we're surrounded by family and friends. Maybe on vacation. Vacation has a great way of making you feel this way. Because you're out of the busyness of life and living. Or maybe you're in the midst of one of those all too rare times when we are suddenly made profoundly aware of just how blessed we are. These are the moments, writes the Reverend David Oliver, in which, quote, the sweet aroma of our lives is lavished on everyone, when joy is not only something we yearn for, but something we feel. When prayers are said with a deeper sense of meaning and thanksgiving, and God seems closer to us and more directly accessible, unquote. It's in times such as these that you and I become like evergreens, full of vitality and beauty and unchanging purpose. We're that way forever, though. Because let's face it, we we know, don't we, how quickly a life can turn from green to brown. It happens amidst any number of severe difficulties of life, the, the kind of things that blindside us with its intensity. Death in the family, the end of a relationship, uh, an unexpected job change, on and on and on it goes. Or, you know, more likely, it's probably the result of the accumulation of stuff, the overwhelming amount of stress that builds up in the normal course of life and living. But you see, whatever brings it on, the end result is the same. We end up sapped of strength and enthusiasm. We are left feeling not unlike tired, worn-out evergreen boughs that have been cut off from the tree, branches that are dry and brittle and ready to be tossed into the fire. And if you've ever felt this way, like an old Christmas tree that's seen better days, then you know what it's like to feel within yourself somehow withered and lifeless in dire need of deeper nourishment and healing. But here's the good news. Just as that fir tree has pitched to promote its healing and wholeness so that it can stay evergreen in the face of all injury and danger, likewise, you and I are given such a gift. 
And while we don't have tree sap oozing from our pores, at least I hope we don't, what we're given is no less healing and all the more life-giving. It is a gift, you see, and it comes from Jesus himself, the one who says to us, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, you see what we so often and easily forget as we're going through this life is is that it is and has always been God's intention for us to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Each one of us is meant to be full and green with the sap of the Spirit flowing through us that we might know true life, growing each day a bit closer to becoming all that the Lord has intended and nurtured us to be. Feeling the gift of healing and renewal even when we have been hurt, even when we have been wounded by the harshness of the world around us or the unexpected circumstances that knock us down. But you see, the thing is, the thing that we need to take note of here is that this freshness, this this vitality I speak of, only comes about in a connection to Christ and by that connection to God. It's as Jesus himself told his disciple, and what, what Joyce read to us this morning, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. Abide in me as I abide in you. Abide. Meaning to remain in, to continue, to dwell. Suggesting that the ongoing health and vitality of our lives is contingent on the day-to-day presence of our caretaker. Or as Jesus again goes on to say, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Just as the fir tree needs its sap to thrive, you and I need to be rooted and grounded and well-established in Jesus Christ in order to live fully the life that God has so long and so much intended for us to bring us fullness. It is our faith in Jesus Christ that keeps us evergreen. Without that faith to nourish us and strengthen us, one way or the other, be it the wear and tear of the world or the fear that lingers in our hearts, we will, without that presence, eventually dry up and become brittle to the living of life. You know, in a prior church, we used to have every year an Epiphany barbecue, barbecue, uh, bonfire. Probably was a barbecue, too. Who knows? But we used to take all the live trees that people would bring. We had a huge yard out in back of the church, and we would have this great big bonfire. And what I think I discovered, it was an object lesson on why you take care of your trees because we have this big pile of evergreens, one match, up it went. And I can remember thinking to myself, now there's a parable for life right there. When you become dry, when you become brittle, when you are left to lose that vitality in your life, you're consumed. 
Simple as that. This is an important truth for us to consider, friends, especially considering that it's the first Sunday of a new year and the first Sunday of a new decade. Seems to me this is a good time for each one of us to think about what it means to abide in Christ, to live as persons of faith. The question we need to ask is what are we doing to stay evergreen? Are we staying connected to the Christ who is the vine to our branches? We need to ask ourselves, who is Jesus Christ as regards our own life? Is he the Savior and Lord of all, or is he just another philosopher with a take-it-or-leave-it message? And how does that play into life as we actually live it? How does abiding in Christ inform the kind of decisions we make for ourselves? You know, and not just on the major pathways of life either, but, but also on each and every intersection that we routinely cross every day. And how does that connection affect the way we treat others? Does it lead us to make good use of the gifts we've been given? And does it, really and truly now, inspire generosity of spirit and resources? And does it lead us to a place where our whole trust is in God and in God's provision for our lives and living? How we answer such questions says a whole lot about how we abide in Christ and ultimately about the fruitfulness of a Christian life. Truly, the ways that faith exists in the heart of our real, live, day-to-day -day existence are the signs of our health our vitality, and our freshness, yours and mine. These are the qualities of life that even in the cold and barren days of winter, winter in New England for sure, but also and especially winter in the soul, these are the things that will keep us evergreen. Now perhaps you're starting out this new year feeling a bit like the trees that are even now being thrown to the curb so that the city can pick them up this week. Maybe you're feeling old and dry and needles shedding all over the place. Maybe you're feeling right now that maybe you don't have anything useful for whatever's ahead. Perhaps now that all the chaos of the holidays has come to an end for another year, you're feeling a bit at a loss, especially as regards your heart. Well, if that's the case, may I suggest to you that this is the time that you need the care of the vine grower the most. This is where we all need a connection to the vine. It is fitting then that we come now to this table, this table where we feel the connection the strongest. When we break the bread, when we share the fruit of the vine and we know that Jesus Christ has with us and has promised to be with us this year, next year, and even unto the end of the age. It's a promise, sure and certain, and it comes from Jesus himself, that if we will abide in him, he will abide in us. And in the process, our lives will be made purposeful, powerful, joyful, 
and green. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, A Life That's Evergreen. It was recorded during our January the 5th service of worship at East Congregational Church. And just a reminder here that if in this new year you're looking for a place to worship, we'd love to welcome you at East Church. We gather each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road in Concord, New Hampshire. We are, as I love to say, a small but mighty congregation. And I know that if you come, you will feel welcome the minute you walk in the door. I would love to have the opportunity to greet you in person. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening. I thank you for your support of this podcast, and I hope you'll be in touch with us over this coming year. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day and a happy and blessed new year. Talk to you soon.